Hi, and welcome to the Saxophone Academy. I'm Dr. Wally Wallace, and on this week's episode, I chat with my co-host, Dr. Susan Fancher, about a great Japanese saxophone quartet and a CD you should definitely check out. We talk about chamber playing and how to make your chamber group better. We also chat about some industry news and some new cool products on the horizon. And in the mailbag section, we answer some of your questions. And if you have a question for the podcast, please do reach out. You can email us at thesaxophoneacademy at gmail.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. <laughs> it is nice, especially for the artist. artist. Yeah, you don't have to come up with a full long. 60 minutes of music. And with streaming, can. yeah, we can release EPs, we can release singles, yeah. you know, and it's great. I like the idea of some singles, actually. I do, too. Because it used to be hard to find a whole CD that really would hang together as uh-huh. a concept. And I can learn five minutes of music. Right. Maybe. Same. Now, no hey, dice. Sometimes 10, Wally. No <laughs> dice. Sue, it is Wally. March. I know, right? The groundhog, I think, I don't remember if it's the shadow or uh, no shadow, yeah. but I think we got spring coming. It feels like spring out there today already. A, a wow. large a large rodent in Vermont told us so. <laughs> I think it's Vermont, isn't it? I don't know. I thought it was Pennsylvania, but what do I know? Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. That makes sense. Something funny. That totally tracks. <laughs> a little yeah. alliteration So spring's there. coming around. What have you been working on? You just had a concert. Uh, I just played a concert last night. I played Hockney by Mark Engerbretson for alto saxophone, cello, and piano. It nice. was written for the Van Dorn Emerging Artist right. Competition winner, who yeah. was Sean Miller this past year. Super. I bet you played it better, but go on. <laughs> I don't know, Sean. You are so, so nice. Yeah. You know, you don't even charge me for all these nice things you say about oh, me. I'm you, so lucky. You'll, you'll get the bill. Okay, uh, this, I see how this, it is. This fall, I'm keeping track. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that was fun. So now I usually try to like just breathe for a day anyway and like be lazy and don't practice. Yeah. Although I think I might do a little practicing later today because guess what? My next performance, I have to play baritone saxophone on a piece. Oh. What I haven't played baritone saxophone in... A long time, actually. Yeah. I have a baritone saxophone mouthpiece and some reeds that maybe aren't too moldy that I can try to play. Oh, I don't think they're going to be moldy. <laughs> oh, so Larry Dillon, who's over in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, wrote a piece called Big Brothers, and it's for one saxophonist who plays soprano and barry. Okay. Right? And then uh, vibraphone and piano. Oh, cool. So I'm going to play that on a forecast music concert if, in March. If I were going to write a piece this called month, yikes. <laughs> Big Brothers, I'd write yeah. it for baritone saxophone and surveillance system. But <laughs> right? Float the idea to the composer. <laughs> I will. Maybe he'll yeah. make a make a little, yeah. I don't have a degree in composition, but I'm pretty sure that checks out. Well, good. So you practice going well. and Yeah, everything's fine. Yeah, it went okay last night. I felt pretty good, good about it. Are your reads played, feeling as good as my reads are feeling? My right reads now? are feeling great. I, I've had a great read week. And now, now uh, they're going to spontaneously yeah. combust. They're going to tank because you said, said that. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the weather's going to like dive down like 20 or 30 degrees tomorrow. So, yeah. I know. I just opened a fresh box and like, this one's good. This I one's know. good. This I one's good. It. I'm going to even condition them. I like them that much. Ooh, I know. Wow. It's exciting stuff. <laughs> Speaking of exciting stuff, yes. I got some industry news for you. Okay. So January, and I think the beginning of February, is the big um, conference season for oh, yeah. merchants, North American Music Merchants, or National Association of Music Merchants, NAM and the Gym, the Jazz Education. So all the products yeah. and stuff is kind of getting released and the press announcements come. So we got some 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 new products to talk about. Oh, boy. We haven't tried these, but that's not going to stop me from making fun of them. Okay. So first up... <laughs> Do you remember our favorite neck strap? And then when we try them, we can make fun of them yet Even, again. Or then apologize if I'm wrong. Oh, well. Yeah, I was that... wrong back in, um, I think it was around 2003 once. <laughs> okay, bring it on, Wally. What said, do you so, got? What's the first, new do stuff? Do you remember our favorite uh, neck, neck straps? The Jazz Labs Sax Holder. 
Yes. The one that looks like the exoskeleton that, yeah. that some of my Ripley best friends use those war yeah. in the movie Aliens. And I, I did apologize because I messed up. I called it Ridley from that oh, movie. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, and some of we have I friends that play it. that that. Well, we uh, we made fun of it a little. Uh, we have friends that swear by it, but I still maintain it makes you look like Dr. Octopus from the Spider-Man comics when you wear one. Agreed. You know, I think, look, scoliosis isn't that bad. Just deal with it, Jenny. That looks ridiculous. But we have friends that really do swear by it, and they love it. Yeah. Well, they've got the new Sax Holder Pro. Ooh. So here's a, a picture. Oh, and what's different? Um, what, from the one they have now. Well, I'm going to inform okay, you. Okay. So well, th- here's the difference. Yeah, because inquiring so, minds yeah, so want to know. <laughs> so I'm, Sue looked at the picture. Obviously, listener, you can't see the picture. But let me explain. The picture of the press release, it has it in many different parts. So what they've done is make the shoulder parts removable huh. so it can fit in more cases and more spaces. So but rather than just uh, folding over and hoping, and so now it can really fit and squeeze into, I think, most saxophone belts. Ah, uh, okay. Or maybe you can hide it in a secret compartment. Yeah. Or just who knows where, where you need to might sneak this next trip. Uh, they've made the stomach slider uh, larger, which I imagine is more comfortable. Right. Uh, and now the um, the slide, the, the adjustment has a locking clip, I believe. Okay. So they've made, and, and kudos to them for improving on their, yeah. their, which I like. I like it when they don't come up with a completely new, bizarre thing that has a different set of problems. Not that this one had any problems, because yeah. the people I know love it. They I, love it, yeah. I just make the fun of the way it looks. Uh, but apparently <laughs> they have improved upon the design. And yeah. I've heard good things. So a, a next strap that people really like, the Sax Lab Sax Holder, I'll put a link in the show notes, has gotten better. Or they have a pro version now, which cool. is great. Uh, next thing, and I want to get your take on this. I'm going to try right. to be as not biased as possible. Okay. Are you familiar with the Silverstein Company? No. Silverstein Sax Works, I think they're called, or Silverstein? No. They make a, a ligature. They make a like sterilizer for reeds with like some kind of ultraviolet lighting system. Mm. They've made a couple of mouthpieces. Uh, they have a new synthetic reed, and this isn't the first one. We're going to ah, talk about another one next week. Okay. Uh, but this is the Silverstein Alto Ambiploy reed. And here, I want to read what's so special about this. Okay. Okay. I'll do my best to be serious. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Why is it not We're looking waiting. to hyperlink? Okay, hold on. <laughs> All right. This is going to be serious. All right. Wallet. So it is a second generation synthetic reed for woodwinds. It is made with a new reed material, Ambipolymer, the world's first symphonic material invented just for reeds. Now, you have a, a background in mathematics. <laughs> My background is not in chemistry, but I'm somewhat uh, curious as to what a symphonic material a is. Symphonic material. Now, it doesn't, they have not trademarked that, at least not on this advertising. Wow. I don't see the little, the little team for trademark. So, a symphonic material. We should is, Google it. Is that really a word? I'm. I'm going to go ahead symphonic, and well, symphonic bet my non-paying Pegasus premiere that that's not a world. That's marketing speak. Symphonic um, material generates unprecedented projection, both full sound and even harmonics in all registers. Well, that's good because it's good if the read doesn't work in just well, one. Well, no, even that. harmonics. So even as you change oh. registers, the harmonic scale doesn't change. That's fascinating. <laughs> I'm sure they did extensive testing across mouthpieces <laughs> to make sure equal disbursement of harmonics and partials across all registers because I'm sure they did that scientific testing. Yeah, so that's going to be a really good read. Yeah, yeah. oh, <laughs> it, if it plays like they're marketing. Wet and sound, just like cane, 30 seconds wet, lasts for five hours without drying. 
Whoa. So do my kids' socks. Big deal. Absolutely <laughs> no pitch change. Absolutely no pitch change. Reliable in all temperatures, altitudes, and climates. No cracking or splitting. Precisely no variation. It is consistent. It is made with precision double injection molding process. So how long does one of these last? Well, here's... Like, yeah. Okay, well, let me get to all the other good stuff. And oh, here's gosh, the, you're now, not done. Oh, no. Oh, geez. No, this marketing team this deserves major, awesome. major kudos. Entirely reed knife ready and adjustable. Clippable, easily customized with any retool. So you can adjust it, just like a cane reed. I thought it was perfect to begin with. It is smart. Oh. Self-aligning pairing. <laughs> Five to ten minutes, one-time self-alignment to wow. the mouthpiece. I need a car that will do that. Yeah, you've seen, have you seen Westworld? Because that's what I'm picturing here. This super smart, fibrous thing that you're going to talk to the reed. Like, are you a reed? It's going to say, that doesn't look like anything to me. It's going to be, like, sentient and bizarre. Um, here's where... so. Silverstein, let me um, pause and say I've spoken to two attorneys. Both of my brother-in-laws are attorneys. Okay. So this is Wally's opinion and my personal experience. Silverstein has great marketing materials that sometimes I don't always feel lines up with reality. Okay. And I have a problem with that. I don't think the Federal Trade Commission is checking up on some of the, the claims. Uh, it says it is durable, lasts more than six months with four hours a day of playing, oh. no degradation over the course of use, so let's read that one more time. Yeah. Last six months, no degradation over the course of use. So using <laughs> basic middle school level logic, it doesn't degrade, but it only lasts six months. So does it last six months and then it explodes? Don't does it have last it six months then. and then releases a toxic? Wait, what does it do? If it, it doesn't degrade. It suddenly stops. If it doesn't degrade, why does it only last six months? It breaks in half suddenly. I, I, mean, I don't know. I, that's ridiculous. And here's the thing. Um, They've also had their market materials. They, they're most well-known for their ligature, which is like this tourniquet system that tightens cords on oh, top right. of it. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they say, absolutely will not stretch in their marketing materials. Right. I've had plenty of students. Well, of course they're going to stretch. Again, it stretched in my experience. My legal disclaimer, right. I, in my experience, and maybe I'm just not very bright. Maybe I don't know stretching when I seize it. But it did stretch, <laughs> which means they're just marketing materials that don't make any sense. They're expensive, and that makes me angry. Uh, uh, it's basically in the army. It's the same kind of cord we call paratrooper cord. It's a, yeah. it is a very durable kind of nylon feeling yeah, cord. Yeah, it stretched. I saw the kids stretch it. I tried to yeah. do that out, and it did stretch. Um, and they yeah. at one point made a five hundred dollar cryogenically frozen metal mouthpiece. And this is my experience. I signed up to be one of the testers for it. They they were doing the circles to get some some buzz and some quotes. Yeah. So uh, I was in the mailing list. It got sent to me, and it chirped. <laughs> there was something wrong oh. with the phasing. It chirped and squeaked. I gave it to my mentor and professor. Yeah. I said, does it chirp and squeak for you? It did. So I sent them a nice note saying, hey, I would take this out of circulation. Something's wrong with it. It's chirping. Uh, there's yeah. something wrong with the phasing. Yeah. No response. Nothing. Yeah. So I'm... I will try this maybe if it's not terribly expensive, but right now the marketing materials don't actually make any sense to me. Got it. Uh, and I'm getting a little tired of that. Yeah. Um, because unfortunately you and I have been around the block. We're cynical. Yeah. Um, I have young students that buy into that. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's great if you try this and it is the, the bee's knees. Yeah. Let us know. Uh, the kitten's whiskers. <laughs> let us know. But I will say something that doesn't degrade, but suddenly quit, you know. Yeah. I, I, I think, well, take some responsibility in the marketing. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Now, um, back to other news. There is happier news that we're going to talk about that I'm slightly more excited about um, in next week's episode. Okay. I've got some new horns and some other new synthetic Ooh, reads nice. that uh, seem a little bit more realistic in the marketing <laughs> materials that we'll talk about. Uh, awesome. That's industry news. So if you tried anything at these conferences and you're really excited about, let us know. Yeah. Or, or anything uh, else. There's a bunch of conferences oh, coming a up. A lot yeah, of new products the... out there. 
Um, and we'll talk about a lot of the, uh, the Chinese stuff coming up next week. Um, in the meantime, you hit me to a yes. very cool recording. What are we talking about? What's this? What's yeah. our what's our recording recommendation for this week? So we are going to talk about the Masato Kumoi Quartet CD, and the one we're going to talk about today is Recitation Book. There mm-hmm. are some other ones. I mean, they recorded um, David Maslanka's Mountain Roads. That CD's also got some yeah. Bach and some Bird and some Japanese music on it. And uh, their more recent CD is David Maslanka's Songs for the Coming Day, but we can't find it. In any streaming source. So we're going to talk about Recitation Book, which is just a fantastic recording. And you were really excited to, t- uh, to show me the other CD, but I yeah, couldn't find it. You couldn't find it. So and I don't have an optical un- drive anymore. Yeah, until it's available for streaming, it's not really fair. So we recently found out about that CD. A, a friend of mine, Denise Meyer, from okay. a college friend, saxophonist, um, who I visited recently over the holidays, was playing that CD. And I'm like, wow, what is this? And so she introduced me to Songs of the Coming Day. Right. And uh, we got home and and Mark went online and tried to find it's not streaming and tried to buy a CD. And I don't know where he ended up getting the CD from, but it was pretty expensive. So it's not something I'm going to tell the listeners, go out. Well, I mean, it's a great CD. Go out right. and get it if you don't mind spending the money and if you can find it. And if you can actually still play a CD recording. Right. But um, Recitation Book was also written for the Kamoi Quartet. Okay. And this is the one we can actually, I'll put a link in the show notes to yeah. this recording. And it's got, in addition to um, this piece by Maslanka, which I'd love to talk about a little bit, um, it's also got um, Bach's Partita for mm-hmm. violin uh, number three in E major by Bach in an arrangement for, for saxophone quartet. All six movements of the partita. And what's funny about that is that the prelude, the first movement of that, is one of the pieces that David Camwell Camel arranged, arranged yeah. for two saxophones and piano that I recorded with him. Right. So it started to play. I'm like, wait a minute, I know this piece. <laughs> so that was right. kind of fun. And then they have the entire Glazunov saxophone quartet. And it's hard to find a good recording of the entire mm-hmm. Glazunov. And it's just stunning. And then, of course, the Maslanka's gorgeous just right. drop dead gorgeous and so. this is the the Maslanka recitation this book? is the recitation, recitation book. book yeah what do you know anything about that piece well it's based on some some Bach chorales and there's a Gesualdo piece and some Gregorian chant so a lot of Maslanka's music does have some kind of basis in sacred music and right. this is no exception to that but the story is that his first piece for saxophone quartet which was Mountain Roads mm-hmm. um, and that the, became pretty popular that was big in the competition yeah the, it, that was written for the transcontinental quartet and right. they recorded it and then the, the Kumoi quartet recorded it and they sent their recording to David, David Maslanka and he just loved it. And then he ended up writing recitation book for the Kumoi Quartet. And Songs for the Coming Day is also written for the Kumoi Quartet. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. So they developed a long friendship and collaboration 
um, you know, up to the day that Maslanka passed away. Okay. So, yeah. And Maslanka did pass away fairly he recently. He did, not too long ago. I don't remember the exact day. Right, an American composer, the, uh, pretty yeah. high output. Yeah, um, yeah, he wrote a lot of saxophone music. He really the Sonata, did. Concerto. Yeah. These three quartets, at least. I yeah, think there's some other stuff, there's too. There's a great piece for saxophone and marimba that I really I don't know enjoyed. that. Um, oh, The name is completely escaping. I put it on the doctoral recital, okay. and the name is completely escaping me. Yeah. Um, and it's nice little bite chunk. I like his stuff with um, smaller movements. Yeah. Um, so his his pieces tend to be really long. Yeah. And multi-movement works, though, however. So you can, right. you know, pull out a movement. Like the concerto, I like to have some of my saxophone students like to play that first movement. Mm-hmm. With piano, it works pretty well with piano. Um, but the whole piece is just really, really big. Right. Yeah. With this quartet piece, how do you feel? Yeah. What's your favorite movement of this? What do you recommend they speak? Oh, gosh. Um, I can't even say. I mean, it just is beautiful from beginning to yeah. end. I mean, the very first, you know, the very first note, it's just... Everything is so sensitively played and the music is stunning. It goes mm. from something that's just really um, sort of chorale based and very simple to something that's just, you know, screaming altissimo, but in a good way, in a lyrical way. Right. I mean, um, Musato Screaming Kumoyas, is in range, not as in yeah, color. Yeah, no, yeah. No, gotcha. um, Musato never really lets any note get out of control. In right. like an, it, there's not a single ugly note. He lets it be edgy and powerful, but every single note is is beautiful. Actually Mark had a really nice comment he made about listening to the the um, Masato Kumoi quartet. He said it's like the very act of making a sound is spiritual to them. Yeah, they do take very a lot of care with yeah, yeah. the tone quality. The tone quality is great. It's an interesting sound. It's not a sound that I hear a lot in America. It's different. It's a kind of a yeah, it's a intense, broader sound. Yeah, I, I don't. It's tough. To, the words it's, are failing it's me. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> a good deal of vibrato. That's a oh, nice yeah. intensity, which I like yeah. a lot. And some of the chorale sections, though, they'll play with almost no vibrato, and so right. this these great, uh, this big range of colors. Yeah. Um, personal story about Masato Kumoi. He was a master's student at Northwestern when I was an undergrad. Okay. Yeah. So he was one of those really hot shot grad students who came came through the pipeline when when I was there. Did they all years. study in Northwestern? Or No, I don't think so. I don't think any of the other guys in this quartet okay. did. Just well, then I think he yeah. went back to Japan to study he because did. they yeah. say they all studied from the same school, which I'm assuming Oh, yeah, is yeah, no, yeah. yeah. So Masato would have spent one year okay. at Northwestern as a master's student back in the day when the master's degree okay. there was... Was a single okay. single year, and then yeah. studied. Yeah, so yeah. the four players are all um, are all did study, I believe, in Tokyo, and they yeah. formed in Tokyo in the year two thousand. So they've yeah. been around for a while. They've been around for a while. Yeah, yeah. and they play really beautifully yeah. together. I really like the recording of the Glazunov. It is. I mean, that's about 25 minutes. It is. And like I said, there's, there's not a lot of really good recordings of it. No, and um, all those variations in that second mm, movement, which are devilishly difficult to pull off and make them not sound really fumbly, yeah. they just sound, they make them sound easy. That trill one that's so horrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They make it actually sound like it's yeah. not underwater like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it is devilishly difficult um, yeah. to play and then to also then make it sound very musical and beautiful. 
Yeah. Um, I will say I like the Sigurd Rasher um, quartets, the Rasher quartets yeah, recording of it. Yeah. Um, it's a different yeah. aesthetic than I grew up studying, but yeah. I really appreciate their recording. Yeah. There's a, so much maturity in the way they approach the really music. Really, yeah. and I the balance is good. I really like yeah. that quartet. Yep. Same. Yeah. I yeah, think they agreed. play beautifully. Yeah. Um, I think they lost their tenor player not that long ago. Not that long Was ago. Was it Kenneth Coon? Right. Yeah. Or their baritone or player. Baritone, yeah, baritone, right, Kenneth right. Kuhn, which is tragic. He was just marvelous yeah. musician. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, they all are. Oh yeah, I haven't goodness, kept up with yeah. them, but I hope they've replaced and they're still going because they're a oh, yeah, fantastic no, I quartet. Are, yeah. Um, I really like this quartet a lot. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I, I think this is a really good recording. They got a couple of albums streaming. This one, I so we couldn't find the, the one you originally. Right. Yeah. Uh, I said let's let's talk about one that the, yeah. that the kids. The kids. Is the, Mountain Roads out there on streaming or not? I don't know because I kind of fell in love with this. I've been listening yeah. to this one all week. Oh, it's just great. And I have to yeah. admit, I like them as Lanka. I'm absolutely hooked on that recording of the of the Glazunov. The Glazunov is great. I just love it's it. It's a great recording. Yeah, yeah. Do that you, piece is hard. I'm gonna be a jerk and put you on the spot. Do you know what year that was written? Oh gosh, we can edit I'm that gonna in. say I'm gonna say it's around the same time as the saxophone concerto. Isn't it from the 30s? Yeah, I believe so. I think so. Someone out there. I knows think they exactly have the, Yeah, somebody's gonna know. Speakers. and gonna be like, "You guys are idiots. You're idiots. Yeah. You're total idiots." No, <laughs> isn't it like Opus 109 A and B or something like that? They have like the same mm. Opus number, right? Okay. You've already gone further than my knowledge. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Look, yeah. Our, our doctoral comprehensive exams were years so ago. It was so long ago, yeah. and I didn't even need to know any particular yeah. dates then. And we could Google it. We could pause <laughs> the recording and Google it and pretend. But that would be cheating. Yeah, who cares? And then yeah. we would like be pretending to be smarter than we are. Yeah. And that's cheating. Yeah, well, then... I just Should call, I Google it? I, I just call that Wednesday. <laughs> but yeah, I really like this. So I, thank yeah, you for... Thank you for gorgeous. I was unfamiliar with this uh, this quartet. And the players are Masato Kamoi, soprano saxophone, Wataru Sato, alto saxophone, Kayazuki Hayashida, tenor saxophone, and Takehiro Nishio, baritone saxophone. I'm from Georgia, so apologies if I butchered <laughs> any or all of those names. Just a phenomenal group. Yeah, really fantastic. And they were at the the North American Saxophone Alliance conference in Cincinnati a couple of years ago and played a, an evening concert. It was oh, yeah. just stunning. Did you get to, to meet and chat and what you I, I up did, with? I with did Masato. go and catch up with Masato a little bit, yeah. and they did a master class in the afternoon. And the Duke University saxophone quartet, my little kiddos played. The Dusk Quartet. Yeah, the Dusk Quartet. I love yeah, that name. I know, isn't that awesome? Yeah. They they got to play on the master class with that Masato uh, led and his his colleagues in the quartet. Yeah. And uh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> that is very cool. All right, yeah. well, highly recommend it. Link in the show notes. Oh, totally. Um, go take a listen, and um, if you can find the CD, also put a link to the CD. That Sue was talking about that I just couldn't buy because I don't have. Well, I could, but I'm I don't have an optical drive. Well, if there's anymore. no way to play it. There's no re- right. reason to buy that CD. My laptop doesn't have it. The, I hope that'll you know. be made available somehow, some sometime because I just think that. So um, the songs for the coming day, most of that album is in fact just that one piece by Maslanka. It's huge, many many oh, yeah. movements, and then there's a gorgeous piece on that CD called like something about the song of joy for life or something like that that's a, a Japanese piece. It's just also great. And it it sounded to me like that one. I'll talk more about that another time. I'll okay. bring more specifics. But that piece, if you can get your hands on the sheet music, that one sounds like a piece that like good college groups could just play. Right. And maybe even average college groups could actually play. Yeah. And, and so What's, that would be because a lot many, of these Maslanka yeah. pieces are really tricky. They are. And yeah. speaking of saxophone quartet, I want to yeah. talk a little bit about saxophone quartet in general. Oh, man. And how popular it's becoming. Because you mentioned a good college group could play it. There's so many saxophone majors and people graduating with music degrees. There's a lot of, I hate to use the word amateur because I don't mean to make a quality judgment. Right. Because no, we know yeah. doctors and dentists and attorneys 
that study saxophone in college and they still play. They for play fun. great. And they're great. Yeah. So when I say amateur. Well, and a lot of them have music degrees. Right. I mean, I they don't were even like mean performance to So let's just right. say the non-college professor. Yeah. Um, which some of them play just as well. So I don't mean yeah. amateur as a knock at all. Well, maybe it's just, better. Yeah. <laughs> There's days I <laughs> well, don't Well, you know the that. word amateur is, you know, something well, you do for love. love. Yeah. yeah. So, you Absolutely. know, hopefully even we who I learned that quote from unquote you. pros. Did you? I did. I learned Aww. that from you, Sue. Yeah, we pros, I hope, are amateurs, too, doing it yeah. for love. So uh, there's actually a really great amateur quartets out there now. Oh, yeah. And saxophone quartets are, they've been around since, well, when Mule Quartet formed in, like, the 20s? Yeah, 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 Like, yeah. way well, a million years ago. Well, there's some from the late late 1800s. There's yeah. a little bit of quartet repertoire from right. the second half of the 1800s. So it's been so. around a long time, yeah. and they're hugely popular in, in the, the college scene. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot of great amateur groups, and... They're cleaning up in some of the competitions. Like uh, they're yeah. doing really well in the Coleman. Yeah, because the level of saxophone playing is so high. Our friends in the uh, the Donald Center Quartet, who have a new recording coming out, we're going to listen to it in a couple weeks. Oh. Uh, they have a new, and they did great in the Michigan Improvise. Yeah, um, yeah. They're, they're, it's just such a virtuosic and homogenized sound. Well, and maybe part of the reason the saxophone quartets are so doing so well is that we've had to build a new repertoire. Yeah. So we haven't just continued to play old pieces because we don't have very many. Right. So we keep commissioning new pieces and we play them all over the place. So, right. yeah. And so maybe the music connects with and, the audience because the are, audience is our, younger. And the reptos cross genres. There's some really great jazz quartet yeah. pieces or some crossover pieces, yep. really good classical, great transcriptions. Yeah. Your teacher, yeah. I think it was Scarlatti? Oh, did a yeah. Tr- a Scarlatti. Um, so Frederick Kemke, your teacher, yeah. did a Scarlatti transcription. That was one of the very first quartet pieces I ever played and made me fall in love with the genre. Yeah, and that Gibbons fant- fantasy or Fantasia, however you say it, that he Maybe did. Maybe actually I mean, that's what I'm thinking of. Maybe it's well, not, But there's not, a Scarlatti. Okay. T- he did so many, yeah. And all of the great. All of the yeah. teachers used to make a lot of arrangements because there wasn't enough music for saxophone And you quartet. had smart people like Fred Hemke, Building great repertoire, and so, and now there are so many pieces mm-hmm. for saxophone quartet by really leading composers, right? And really great pieces that are you could almost call them masterpieces. I think this. I have to say personally, I think the saxophone quartet repertoire is in better shape than the the saxophone solo repertoire. I might agree with you, and that I think about it. And here, I could uh, name honestly, five pieces I, I off like the, the top of my head. And even the old stuff, I like the Glazunov uh, quartet better than the concerto uh, musically. Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think there's a couple instances like that. Um, I don't like a lot of Walter Hartley's music, but I thought his quartet, the suite, mm. really interesting mm-hmm. and fun. But yeah, I think you're right. So with that in mind, so we do have a lot of just you know young amateur listeners that maybe yeah. want to get together with their friends. What are some of your favorite quartets that you recommend people check out? I was out? thinking about this. Yeah, so one of my favorite um, saxophone quartets is actually by a guy who's, believe it or not, from Greensboro, uh, North Carolina. Oh, He's no right. longer living, but his, his piece is Drastic Measures by Russell, Russell Peck. Peck. That used to be a really hard piece, right? And now you've got high school kids playing it and playing it. I mean, like really playing it. Right. It's kind of, would you say jazzy? I don't know. It's pop, j- uh, jazz, pop, minimalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's a really fun piece if you've got the chops to handle right. that. Um, let's see. That inspired, some, oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. That yeah. inspired a lot of people to learn to slap tongue. Because right. a lot of people like, that couldn't slap tongue because back in the 90s, not everyone could slap tongue. Yeah. Now everyone and their brother yeah. watches Derek Brown on YouTube and like, I'm going to yeah. learn how to do that because it's yeah. awesome. Right. Um, but, back, <laughs> but back in the 90s, I remember like quartets were like, I want to play the Russell Peck. We've got to learn to slap tongue. Yeah. And it was, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of edgy. Russell it's got Peck. that kind of, you know, cheesy, like cowboy kind of. It's fun. <laughs> bordering. <laughs> it is a little borderline cheesy. 
But I think it's it's fun, fun enough. I don't care. Yeah, and, same. And, and the young students that have had play it just have so much fun. Same. Um, yeah, I love I, that piece. I and think so, I agree with you. That's a great piece. Um, another piece that um some you know so if that one's a little bit higher, but some of the more standard French things like the Lantier, mm-hmm. um, you know the Andante and Scherzetto by Lantier. That's yeah. pretty. That's a great that's, first piece to look at. Yeah, for that's quartets. a great first piece. Um, the Bozza Andante and Scherzo. Now the Scherzo is a little devilish. Yeah, but it's you know it's a really fabulous piece. The Andante is beautiful, and the tenor mm-hmm. player gets a little moment to shine. Yeah, and I also do. I think you know if you're if you're playing saxophone quartet and you're sort of getting you know just kind of getting yourself established or just doing it for fun, there are oodles and oodles of arrangements of box music, mm-hmm. and it works great on saxophone quartet. Yeah, anything by Bach really. Yeah, I'll put a, a couple links in the show notes to some great box to listen to. Our yeah. friends in the New Century Saxophone Quartet, that most of them live in this area. Yeah. They've got a great recording of some Bach. It's escaping me right now. Yeah, I know what um, you're talking about, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. They, it took a lot of time and care and, and effort to, to really to do that I'm trying to remember if it justice. was the well-tempered clavier or what it was that they did. Art of the Fugue, maybe? I, I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah, they did a whole album. And it's beautiful. Bach yeah. works just great. I mean, if you're a little higher level group, I mean, two of my favorite quote unquote pro level pieces would be the Bresnik everything must go mm-hmm. Martin Bresnik's piece I think is an absolute masterpiece um Ben Johnston's oh Wally Wally one mm-hmm. L not Wally like. well I met Ben Johnston <laughs> I was not 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 me yeah Gavin Breyer's piece Elric one or two that has two sopranos okay um El- so yes, two sopranos, alto, and Barry. So the instrumentation is a little different, but those are some of my just favorite pieces yeah. ever written for a saxophone quartet. And Martin Bresnik's writing a second saxophone quartet That's due fantastic. out pretty soon. Yay. Okay. So yeah. I I only asked for three recommendations, oh, Sue, sorry. and you okay. uh, but that's I just goes to show you can't. I just you can't love quartet. I it's just like love asking it. me what's your favorite David Bowie album. Oh my I, gosh, I all of them. I can't say one. <laughs> yeah, I can talk so what about, what do you recommend for student quartets? I, I, There's so much. Good I agree. Stuff. Now there are high school kids playing Peck, and Peck is just fun. Yeah. Um, I love I oh the. I love the the Jean Rivier Grave at Presto. Oh yeah, because uh, it sounds way more virtuosic and difficult than it actually is. Yeah, and the, and the second the fast movement is so unbelievably virtuosic sounding and super fun, and audiences' eyes will just light up. But yeah. it's not that difficult to learn. That's a great um, so piece. That's Jean been off my Rivier Grave at Presto yeah. was one that just won me over. I was a, I was a freshman in college. You know, we call it gravy and pesto, right? Gravy and gravy and pesto, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the grove is unbelievably difficult to pull off musically. Yeah, and there's days that we played it like, does this make any sense? I don't know. Let's play the presto. Yeah, um, <laughs> I adore that piece. Um, yeah. I do love the peck as well. Some um, Philip Glass arrangements for quartet are some oh, of my yeah. favorite things to play. Yeah, and I don't care if Glass or any other instruments like it. I love playing Philip Glass with yeah. uh, with saxophone quartet. Some of my favorite yeah. music. I like the concerto. The concerto. A lot. I, yeah. It stands alone as a piece. Of course. Uh, there's also an arrangement for the you know saxophone quartet with concerto. Yeah. I adore that piece. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Um, I'm not like a gigantic Philip Glass fan. I saw a two hour solo piano piano concert yeah. where he was at the piano. Yeah. And like half the audience left halfway through. Oh, really? Yeah. His, oh, wow. Um, he talked a lot in between the pieces and he's not a magnetic personality. No, but he's I, lovely. I, no, I, he's so I adore honest. his music. Yeah. yeah, but that was a long concert. <laughs> a little bit. But that quartet. I would have been sitting yeah. there. I would have stayed. I did. <laughs> I would have stayed, but I understand that yeah. half the audience would leave. Yeah, yeah. the guy I taught I music it. appreciation for, the the history faculty, gave me the ticket, and he was sitting next to me, so I had to stay. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I uh, love yeah, it. yeah, David Reich. Um, <laughs> they, they, it was a great guy. So I mean, he, he gave me the ticket. Maybe they should sell wine with those concerts. <laughs> I would have stayed a long time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. So those are great. I'll put links to some of those. Of uh, I'll put like a best of YouTube yeah, in the show notes. So you, those of you not familiar with those pieces can go check them out. Um, and so for those of you that want to get a quartet together, start, what are some big tips you have for making a quartet great? Because oh, wow. you've got a lot of years in, uh, in chamber know. music. You've played with the Red Clay Quartet for how many years? Oh, gosh. I guess it's, we're going on 16 years now. Woo. Oh, man, that... That's a long time. I know. No, I remember um, <laughs> when I auditioned for my doctoral program, I stuck around an extra day just to watch you guys and meet oh, you guys. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. So That's I, cool. And that was back in 2008. Yeah, I so think. I moved here in 2003, and we started the quartet up pretty soon right after that. So yeah. I guess we're actually going on 17 years pretty That's soon. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And before that, I was with the Amherst Quartet in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And before that, Vienna, Rolling in Vienna, and Rolling Phones. Before right. then, played in college. I loved playing in quartet. Just, it's, just loved playing in quartet. Trying to think, going back. So I always tell people the the thing you should start out with is, you know, do start out with some Bach or some tonal music at least. So you just right. get used to playing in tune. And you have to just spend the time when you're new in a quartet to you know, take two voices at a time, different combinations mm-hmm. of two voices at a time and work out the tone and the blend and the, the tuning over and over and over. And it's right. really tedious work. But if you do that, then you get this foundation um, where you just play well and in, in tune with each other. And I think that's part of what you hear with that Masato Kumoi Quartet. Mm-hmm. What is really special about their sound is all of the inner intervals the inner voices everything's just really beautifully in tune they've done their work to make sure that you're not hiding you know a little bit out of tune in a chord that's true now how do you guys tune your quartet what's your like when we take a tuning note yeah when we tune (laughs) well we'll have the bear edit that out (laughs) well you know at some point if you've played for a really long time your mouthpiece goes where your mouthpiece goes and you just and you you, fix it on the fly you fix it on the fly or you just everybody plays with their mouthpiece but but we tune from the berry okay when you tune your dusk quartet yeah uh, or a student quartet yeah what's your system i have a i have a berry play a concert a and then each of the other voices, one at a time, they they tune to that drone in the concert, you know, the low F sharp usually in the Barry. Okay. And we just have everybody tune. Do you have them tune. play a concert A or do you have them play their F sharp? I have them play a concert A. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that is, I have heard, I have them check yeah. the fifth and the octaves yeah. and things like that because, you know, it's all a little bit of an instrument of approximation, right? So, yeah. like, if the Barry's playing their F sharp, the tenor player will check their B, but also probably their, their F, F sharp. sharp. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Against it. And then a couple of octaves. Don't just play one note because then you've got one note. It's one, one <laughs> reference. Yeah. 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 You gotta and get you're a couple getting of a reference. reference. It's a reference, not a religion. Yeah. But when one, the group is new, I have them just tune, you know, one person at a time because you can't really hear if you've right. got other people playing at the same time. That is but, true. You know, with Red Clay now, you know, our berry player Mark will play a he'll play a you know F sharp and we'll all just kind of noodle around a little bit and gotcha. we got that it reference. yeah okay yeah. for the younger kids you do you start with the baritone then build up voices yeah. from the bottom yeah and, and when the- you're tuning a chord also tune it up from the berry and right. if you don't like where the berry players put the pitch then you negotiate you fire with the berry pair yeah, yeah you do <laughs> you know if everybody's lipping down a lot to get to the berry player you right. know you might say hey could you move a little bit there? yeah 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 uh, Another um, quick tip is, is as you go along in tuning, don't have everyone have a tuner on their stand. Oh, god. Because gosh. it becomes pointless very quickly. Because yeah. like, as we've talked about before, yeah. like when you're tuning a chord, if you're playing a C major chord, the E should not be in tune with the tuner. Right. Uh, it needs to be, you know, right. the major third should be flat. And and the pitch center changes over time depending on the temperature yep. and how long you've been playing. It sure does. So I have been in quartets where someone will be looking at a tuner on their stand like, well, well yeah, I'm in tune. Like, 
No. Okay. It doesn't work like that. The tuner like needle may be in the middle. That doesn't mean you're in tune where, where this ensemble is right, right now. Right, exactly. And if we go to Europe, you're wrong. Exactly. You're wrong. <laughs> well, and the Barry player's pitch is going to change over the course of the rehearsal. Right. You know, the horn will warm up and they change exactly. a lot more. So we yeah, tune to the ensemble, gotta... not the needle right. on the tuner or not your phone app. And when you hear a chord's out of tune, you stop and you tune it. Right. And then you back up a couple of chords and see to get in. A lot of it's just learning the chord progression in your ear and your function mm-hmm. in the chord. And you and don't need to know. Yeah. yeah, you don't. You, you could be one of those smarty pants who can say, well, I'm the third there. I'm the raised seventh. Okay, I don't care. Just be able to hear where your note is in the chord right. is okay for me. Right. <laughs> and if you know that stuff, well, that's great. But you know, you then you need to know like what does that mean in terms of where do I put my pitch? Right. You know, do I lip down? Do I lip up? Do I have to add a key? You know, and balance yeah. makes a lot of difference too. If you're, you know, if you're, you know, if you're on the root, you maybe could be a little louder. If you're on another, you know, on the third, well, maybe you don't want to be so loud. Another thing that um, that young players are sometimes surprised by. Let's talk about dynamics in tuning. Ah. Because uh, one of the things I recommend, including jazz players, even if you have no interest in classical saxophone, which at this point, I'm not sure why you'd be listening to this podcast if you have zero interest. All um, right. Cause, yeah. Because we, we talk, talk about, about it a lot. It's <laughs> such, you know, one thing that Charlie Parker and, um, and uh, oh my God, the name is escaping the guy that played with uh, Paul Desmond. They, they studied classical music. They studied classical etudes. Well, yeah. They have classical training. Um, it's important and for the jazz players. I like them to do classical quartets because it's a great way to work on Ensemble communication and tuning. I don't. There's well, hardly and a better vehicle. Yeah. too, and articulation. It's oh, fantastic. yeah. yeah. Um, but one yeah. thing they might be surprised is when they're when they're playing is that as they play soft sections, so what happens to the pitch? If you're playing softer, you're going to sound sharper. Mm-hmm. And they've even they've done studies like this, you know, in acoustics. If you play at the same pitch, and I mean, it's not just when you play softer, you tend to play a little sharper. It's not even just that that we hear the same pitch. When it's loud, lower than we hear the exactly the same pitch. I was unaware of that. Yeah. So it's not just that we tend okay. to play a little sharper so it's when like we're a soft. Double whammy. It's a double whammy. Okay. Yeah. So when when if you if I play the same exact pitch for you forte and then piano, you will hear the piano one is a little higher. Yeah. It's a function of our ears. It's the way our yeah. it's our way and our ears. And as work. we play softer, we actually do literally play a little bit sharper as well in general. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're the baritone player in the group and you're going to play that root really loud forcefully. The, t- the pitch tends to go yeah. a little flat when yeah. you play louder. So, so watch out. Be cognizant of that. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. make sure you have your tuner on the stand so you can yeah, play everyone else. Yeah, and if you're fading else. out yeah. on a yeah. high note. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. If you're fading out on a high note, you might lower a key or lower your right. lip or something so you don't sound the whoop yeah. at the end. <laughs> and like I said, I like the idea of building from the bottom and then also tuning two voices at a time yeah. and breaking it down. Yeah. You know, I, had, I was in a lesson with a student and he was overwhelmed and I said, look, Jared, if you want to eat an elephant... <laughs> How do you need an elephant? And of course, the, the right answer is one bite at a time. But he paused, <laughs> looked up at the ceiling. I could see he was accessing that creative part of his brain. He said, what? <laughs> I'll never forget. He said, well, I guess I'd start with the trunk. <laughs> I was like, oh, kiddo. Let's move Woo, on. Okay. Yeah. He was a good kid, though. Wow. Yeah. We have a listener question. It's time oh, for yay. the mailbag. All right. If we had a mailbag theme song, I would insert it here. So, yeah. listeners, just imagine there's a theme song. There you go. Okay. So, this is from Glenn Payne, uh, who asks an older gentleman. He put this in quotes. His question is, and quote, older gentleman. I don't know what that means. Because like, <laughs> he's going to be really old. I ran into, offered to sell me a C melody sax. Is this something to be looking for or just a weird freak of nature? Oh. Thanks. 
I have one. Me too. No. Yeah, it's tarnishing over on that shelf right over there. They haven't taken it out of the case or even the closet in years and years and years. Uh, It was my grandfather's, though. Yeah, and at some point my mom had it repadded, which probably wasn't really the right thing to do. But I mean, on the other hand, the old pads were kind of. Well, if you want to play it, yeah, you're like. (laughs) I used to do gigs when I was in high school at retirement communities with my sister, who was a pianist. And so I would just read little ragtime pieces and just little pop, you know, not pop, like what we think of as pop, but like like uh, folk songs and things just right off the piano and sheet music because it was in C. A C melody yeah. is pitched in C. So alto is in E flat. Yeah. Tenor, soprano in B flat. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you, if you, and I, I learned this in my first couple weeks of playing saxophone, I tried to play with my sister on the piano. Yeah. And we were reading the sheet music together and my parents were It sounded were, pretty were like, bad. Why is this so bad? Yeah, right. Well, he's probably not meant to play the saxophone. Yeah, we're... And it was because, <laughs> you know, we're a transposing <laughs> instrument. C yeah. melody plays in C so you can read right off the piano score. Plus it's got that gorgeous kind of silky, dark sound. I was going to go with uh, throaty nasal. Throaty. <laughs> Potato, fuzzy potato. Maybe it depends what mouthpiece you put on there. Speaking of mouthpieces, yeah, I have like, I think it's a wooden one that's covered in some kind of black. I have to look at it and see what the heck that mouthpiece is. So for those that don't know what we're talking about, (laughs) the C melody is pitched in C. It's bigger than an alto, smaller than a tenor. It's in between the two, obviously closer to the tenor. It's a really comfortable size to play. Um, They were manufactured um, starting around 1914, and they quit being made around 1930. So this period is known as the saxophone craze in American history where everybody and their brother wanted to play the saxophone, so they started making these so you could read off the piano score, so Ma and Pa and Little Junior uh, could all gather around the piano and there play together. There were all together. kinds of saxophone bands. There were right. all kinds of girl groups and everything. It was, it was really it was awesome. golden age for humanity, if we're honest. Right, because um, of the saxophone. Yeah, don't think about World War One. <laughs> Just think about, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. yeah. yeah That's pretty downer. bad, but, yeah. Uh, so the golden age of the saxophone, <laughs> they started making these sea melodies, and they were made by the big names Busher, King, Kong, King Kong. King, King Kong. and Con. <laughs> King Kong saxophones. Yeah. Dibs on the name. Yeah. King, the Con Company, and oh Martin gosh. saxophones. I don't they, even know what mine is now. I have to go look at it. it. Here's the thing. Yeah. You, it may look like, at first blush, there was a million other little makers, but there were stencil saxophones, which means Busher made a ton, oh. then sold them to other companies where they would put their stencil on it. Gotcha. So you may have, like, American Hornworks, or I'm just completely uh, made up name. And then it would be a Busher. It, yeah, but I'm not sure how you would tell. I'm sure there's some nerd out there with a website that has the model yeah. numbers in, like, if it has this mother of I'm going to go look at mine. Yeah. I'm going to do it today, Wally. I'm going to pull it out. You have a busher. Yeah, I have oh, a busher. cool. Now, I want a couple of words of caution to Glenn. Um, uh, when I first saw one, I thought they were incredibly rare because I'd never seen one in a music yeah. store. So I thought, this has to be valuable. Um, it is not valuable. Okay. And here's why. They made so many of them. Uh, they're pretty easy to find all over yeah. the place. If you go on uh, eBay, there's gazillions of them. Okay. And here's the thing. Even if it was a well-made, rare C melody saxophone, saxophones and most musical instruments are only valuable not because of their rarity or vintage, but because of their playability. Yeah. So even sure if a saxophone is old, it's not worth anything unless it plays great yeah. and other players think it plays great. It's the yeah. desirability for its playability is what's yeah. interesting. Um, I so would only buy it if I actually wanted to have it to play. Yeah. I bought one thinking like, oh, cool, I'll do some like, and I never played it. I yeah. never played it. But you have it. it. It's fine. And here's the other consideration. Did you pay a lot? Um, I think I paid like 450 bucks on well, eBay. That's not bad. But then I yeah. paid more than that to get it overhauled so in good oh, playing condition. Right. And here's the other thing. Um, it will fit an alto mouthpiece. It will fit a tenor mouthpiece. Neither will work well. Right. Um, and you can imagine what's going to happen to the pitch with either one. The tenor's going to make right. it low and wonky. The alto one's going to make it high and wonky. Um, 
So oh, maybe see if it, uh, you know, see if it comes with a mouthpiece. Right. With and a so proper the C melodies, C melody. yeah. um, the one I had came with a mouthpiece. But here's yeah. the other thing. The tip opening is so close right. that, like, even if I did get, like, uh, kind of like an old 1920s jazz group together, I couldn't project over it because right. the tip opening was so ridiculous. Right. And then it's, what size reads do you use to it? Yeah. So there's a couple solutions. Um, there's a there's a company that actually makes new C melodies called Aquila Sax. No way. And they make mouthpieces. I have not tried them. I cannot vouch for their quality. Um. But also the Morgan Company, which I do like. They make great hand-faced mouthpieces. Uh, they make a they C make melody, a C melody I have not played it, in full wow. disclosure, but everything i played for the Morgan Company has been very high quality. They take great pride in their craftsmanship. So If I they would, make a C melody saxophone mouthpiece, it's going to be good, probably. It will, but here's the thing. So you spend 450 bucks on the horn. Yeah. You're probably going to spend at least that much more to get it in good playing condition. And then the good mouthpiece is about 350 bucks. Yeah, it's going to cost some That's money. That's a really, lot of money yeah. for a novelty, in my opinion. Yeah. So my general But if you want to go yeah. and play it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but here's the other thing. Even if like it's there's nothing written for it in saxophone ensemble, there's nothing written nope. for it in quartets, it's a novelty. No, nope. so, you just uh, got to get together with your piano player and play ragtimes yeah. off the piano music like I did. Yeah. Other than that, <laughs> unless that's what you want to do, I say pass. It's way too much money. You can spend the money on you, something else. You could yeah. pay a young composition student to do all the transposition for you and just play it on alto <laughs> with the same money. So, true. so, Glenn, I say pass. Sue, <laughs> do you think it's worth it? Oh, I don't know. Just see what the guy, if the guy's going to just give it to you, maybe. Right. I don't know. Yeah, just see. Because yeah, if, if he would just like to see it played, maybe he wants to pay for the overhaul on the mouthpiece. So you could play it. Oh boy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, good luck. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah, if but you it's do get not it. worth a ton of money. So don't, don't no. get suckered in. And it will not increase in value. No, yeah. no, There was no, a no, million no. of them made. Yep. They're easy to find. Yep. yep. And so, yeah. All right. Cool. There awesome. we go. All about there the you have it. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, and if you have a question for the podcast, email us. The yes. saxophone Academy at gmail.com. Bye Take everyone. Care. Bye. <laughs>